0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome,
1: Bears fans, to another episode of the Picks for Pace podcast, presented by the Bearport and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. say we are recording this episode on Wednesday, August 25th, in the middle of the week here in between that last preseason game and the next preseason game for the Bears. You know, that last preseason game that we're about to get here soon. It, it feels like, you know, their regular season is right around the corner and exciting times, but unfortunately, we have to talk about a stinker of a game that it was this past weekend, man, with, that, with the Bears losing 41-15 to 15 to the Buffalo Bills. Mitch Trubisky got his revenge on the Bears in this one. He had a great performance, thrown for over 200 yards. The offense where the Bills scored on each of the first four possessions, scored of touchdowns, I, I should add, on their first four possessions with Mitch Trubisky in there at quarterback. He was dicing up a really bad Bears secondary who seemed to have no answers for him out there. Uh, it, it basically went as bad as it could for the Bears in this last preseason game, you say it, and, you know, I'll start off with you. You know, how you doing today, man? And, uh, you know, what are your thoughts from that last game? Because, man, it was a doozy.
2: Yeah, I mean, personally, I'm doing well. But when it comes to talking about the Bears, I mean, it's always tough to look at it. Because it's kind of like you mentioned, it was a complete stinker. Now, Mitch Trubisky, I thought this was a different Mitch Trubisky that we saw. In terms of just you could tell that his – Body between his body language and just the football side of things, he seemed like a more calm and confident Mitch Trubisky, not necessarily something that we're, us as Bears fans who watched him and writers that watched him for four years are used to seeing, we're kind of used to seeing a quarterback who looks nervous, is just all over the place, can absolutely turn it on one minute and then the next minute just completely throw the game away. And then you talk about, for the Bears, I mean, they say history repeats itself. And if you watch that game on Saturday against Buffalo, I mean, I understand it's only preseason, but the reality of the situation is that everything that went wrong in that game for the Bears, in terms of 10 penalties for 73 yards, just multiple false starts, you know, guys missing assignments left and right, guys releasing from routes um second too early or a second too late to allow for pretty much everything to be thrown off. It was all reminiscent of 2019 and 2020. And by the way, just a quick side note here as I continue my little rant. I mean, for everyone saying that the Bears defense sucked, does it suck that they gave up 41 points? Yeah, but then also keep this in mind is they were playing without Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, and Eddie Goldman. And Roquan Smith and Eddie Goldman, by the way, are two key pieces of the defense that when they're not in there, you know what, you see the entire unit taking a noticeable step back, all right? That first touchdown where Robert Quinn just absolutely got his ankles broken and Eddie Jackson couldn't come down with the tackle, those types of plays don't happen when Roquan Smith is on the sideline. His sideline sideline speed is a factor on every single play. So, yeah, the Bears pretty much stunk it up, but don't, you know, give an unfair evaluation to the defense because they were missing a couple starters.
1: Well, I'll, I'll say this about the defense. Like, yeah, you're right, it's preseason. So I, I kind of wonder, you know, whether the players are really going 100% anyway, especially the top guys like Eddie Jackson, Khalil Mack, you know, Keem Hicks, guys that have been through this a lot for a long time, veterans on this team that are probably just trying to get in shape for the regular season. But uh, it was still a pitiful effort, I thought, um, on both sides of the ball. You kind of mentioned it as well. But defensively, I think the, the two main things that stood out for me negatively for them was tackling. Tackling was a huge issue in this game. It seemed like the first half could never get the ball carrier down in this one. Uh, you mentioned that touchdown, that first touchdown on the game that Devlin Singletary had. You know, they, they faked the fullback dive, pitched it out. Robert Quinn couldn't come down the, with a tackle in space. Mario Edwards couldn't come down the tackle. A. Jackson takes a bad angle. Um, it looked like he kind of like paused a little bit, kind of expecting Mario Edwards to make that tackle. And then when he didn't make that tackle, he was kind of surprised that it didn't happen and got him out of position a little bit. Um, so the tackling was a, ma- a major issue in this game. I mean, we basically saw Mitch Trubisky just throw out five yards past the line of scrimmage for most of his p- completions, it seemed like. And guys were, you know, c- catching the ball in space, breaking a tackle, and then breaking off big runs after the catch. It, it was a co- consistent theme throughout the course of this game. And then, you know, the coverage in general. I mean, the Buffalo Bills, they were playing their backup wide receiver in this one. And keep in mind, like, yeah, I mean, some of the starts from Bears defense were out in this one. But it is concerning because, their starting defensive backs were all in there for this one, I believe. I don't know if Deshaun Gibson was playing. I'll have to go back and re-watch it. I know Eddie Jackson was playing at that one safety spot. But Jalen Johnson was out there. Kendall Vildor, who looks like he's going to be getting that starting job on the outside, he was out there. And then Duke in the slot. All three of their starting quarterbacks or projected starting quarterbacks were out there for this one, and they were getting toasted by the Buffalo Bills' backup wide receivers. So that is a major concern for me because that's been something we've been talking about all throughout the course of this offseason in terms of, you know, the Bears, they cut Kyle Fuller uh, to save some money in the salary cap to sign Andy dolan They decided to do that instead of cutting Akeem Hicks uh, because they had to cut one of those two guys to make that move to get Andy Dolan in here to make it work with the salary cap. And, you know, they left their secondary in a really exposed position because we know their safety group and it has a lot of depth. They have some talent there with Eddie Jackson, Sean Gibson there, but you need in today's NFL, you need three to four quality cornerbacks on your roster at the same time because of the way the game is played with a lot more three wide receiver sets. Um, and you just need guys to cover those guys. And the Bears, they don't have that right now. The Jalen Johnson, I'm not sure if he's a true number one corner. He's a good quality corner, I think, but I'm not sure if he's a true number one. He's being asked to be the number one. And that's just an issue right now with Kendall Vildor and Duke Shelley trying to pick up the slack a little bit. So those are two concerning things for me on defense, but offensively, I kind of want to go on a little rant here. I guess I'll kind of lead it to the main, I, I guess, a major uh, topic for us for this podcast. But I thought – I want to get your thought on this too. I thought the way that Matt Nagy handled the quarterback situation in this one didn't make a lot of sense, and it was really frustrating um, because I'll, – I'll paint it like this. So, you know, you talk about the first-team offense struggling and not doing a good job other than that. Other than that, Roddy M's big 70-plus-yard touchdown in the first half. Um, you know, the first-team offense – I'll use quotation marks here, first-team offense because it really wasn't a first-team offense because they had three stars out on the offensive line. You look at Jason Peters at tackle, Jermaine Fetti at tackle, James Daniels at guard. None of those guys were playing this game. And They look at the wide receiver position. Allen Robinson wasn't playing. Darnell Mooney wasn't playing. Marquise Goodwin wasn't playing. Both their tight ends, Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet didn't see significant stabs. Cole Komet didn't play at all. David Montgomery didn't play at all, so it wasn't your first-team offense out there. So if that's the case where Andy Dalton, he's supposed to be the starter for this team, right? He's, he got signed to be the starter. Matt Nagy's been consistent about this all offseason, Andy Andy's our guy to start the year. He's going to be your starter. He's getting most of the reps with the first-team offense in practice, and then he goes out here in preseason game, which is supposed to be a tune-up game in game two of the preseason and none of his guys are out there that are going to be playing with him in the first team, basically. So Andy Andy Dalton's out there with a bunch of backups there, and then he's playing the entire first half, basically taking away snaps from Justin Fields, who desperately needs them to help with his development here in the preseason because if the plan is for Justin Fields not to play, why not get him as many snaps as possible in the preseason? So it made no sense that Andy Dalton got so many snaps in this one. So I'll I'll go with your thoughts on this one because it leads into a broader conversation about quarterbacks and how rookie quarterbacks are being handled across the NFL right now. You know, what were your thoughts on how Matt Nagy handled the quarterback situation in this game?
2: Yeah, I had mixed reactions to it. And the reason I had mixed reactions is because when we talk about so preseason typically is two things and I've written this in some of my articles on Bear Report. Number one is just a glorified dress rehearsal, but number two, it's an opportunity for top to bottom roster evaluation and you know, every single year what happens is this is if you take the roster for any NFL team and you go through it. And again, for us, in this case, it would be the Bears. You can kind of just start to highlight and write down or just circle names that, you know, are going to be guaranteed roster spots. Now, Andy Dalton, the moment that they signed him to a $10 million contract was guaranteed a roster spot. Same thing with Justin Fields. But the point is, is that those guys were guaranteed roster spots. Other guys include like Darnell Mooney, Khalil Mack, Allen Robinson, and we could go on and on and on. But the guys that aren't guaranteed roster spots are the guys that, A, you've never even heard of, two are late-round picks, three are undrafted free agents, or four are just vets like Javon Williams that have kind of been lingering around the last couple of years and really preseason's used to kind of evaluate those guys against NFL competition that isn't your own team that you're facing in training camp. So it's just like Matt Nagy's kind of botched this whole situation because if you You're going to openly say before the preseason opener against Miami, yeah, the only way to see what Justin can really do is to go ahead and basically play him. That means you're telling people and you're sending the message that, yeah, The more reps Justin has, the better, because us as a coaching staff, we're able to evaluate where he's at. Now, regarding Andy Dalton, I mean, look, we've seen what Andy Dalton can do. Has he had some pretty productive years in the NFL? Yes. Is he the type of player that's going to elevate the guys around him compared to a guy like Justin Fields? Absolutely not. And then you look at the 173-yard touchdown. I mean, look, listen, let's just be honest about it. When you go three and out on three of your first four possessions and then you have the 73-yard touchdown – What that really is, is this, is that does not mean that you did anything special. It just means that kind of one domino fell your way in what was like a blown coverage or whatever the play was. I'll have to go back and watch it. But the point is, is one domino fell your way, which allowed one big play to happen, which in this case, we're talking about the 73-yard touchdown. But, you know, Andy, I think, knows the offense on paper, but can he really go out there and execute it? Because does he have command of the huddle? Yeah. Yeah but was he playing with all the first team guys? No. And so when we talk about like the reps and stuff, and this isn't just exclusive to the quarterback situation, it's exclusive to just the entire first team offense. I mean, we can't really get a full picture of where this bears offense is at until we get all these guys collectively on the field. And what's going to happen is this is it's going to be too little too late in terms of, you're not going to see Robinson, Mooney, Goodwin, Kmet, Montgomery, the entire offensive line, the projected starting five, until September 12th against the LA Rams. And then there's going to be some issues to iron out that are just going to linger into the season throughout the bears. And so it's just going to be this kind of gross mismanagement that you should have used July and August to go ahead and hammer out any small, like, you know, holes or, any kind of that stuff like that, but you didn't do so. And now you're going to be in a situation where it's going to affect the team in September and October. And unfortunately, you know, the schedule is so much tougher this year. So the bears can't necessarily afford to lose three, four, five games like they've done in the last couple seasons. And then really hope to be in the playoff race. Well,
1: look, I mean, Matt Nagy said before, the preseason started that he was expecting the the first team offense to get more reps this, this season. Well, I guess they got like a couple of drives with together in this preseason, but it's more than he's typically done, I guess, but still it kind of broadens the point that Matt Nagy typically doesn't care about preseason. He, he does not uh, conform with the notion that preseason is a way to rev up for the regular season. I don't think he really buys into that theory. We've seen that every single year that we've had a preseason here with him coaching the bears here is you know, he, if there's any doubt about like an injury or um, a guy's sore or a- anything like that, or anything questionable, he's going to sit him out for the preseason and he's not going to let him get out there. I mean, from an injury standpoint, it's a smart thing to do because these games at the end of the day don't matter. But um, if the guy's healthy and ready to go out there, you know, I'd like to get, see, see him get like a drive or two, at least to get some kind of rhythm together in an actual game setting. And that's not what we're seeing with the first team offense. Again, Andy Dalton, I know we talked about – you talked about how Andy Dalton doesn't have the ability at this stage in his career to elevate a team um, like a guy, potentially like Justin Fields, who we've seen in, in the past with the second and third stringers, has shown an ability to elevate the guys around – the offense around him. And we haven't seen that Andy Dalton. In fairness to Andy Dalton, he's not working with the guys that he was brought in to work with and guys that he was – that he's been working with all offseason in terms of, you know, training camp, the offseason programs he's not working with the second team guys. Typically he's working with the first team receivers. He's working with the first team offensive line. So um, it's, that's a frustrating thing for me. And again, I, I look at other quarterback situations when, look, when we look at these rookie quarterbacks and you know, the, the stubbornness by, by Nagy to not get Justin Fields reps with meaningful players with first team guys is something that's kind of starting to stick out like a sore, sore thumb to me as this process has gone along, as the plan has unfolded, so to speak. I use that quotation marks again. Um, because I, I'm not sure what Matt Nagy's plan is with the way he's developing Justin Fields. Because we see him get a lot of reps with the second-string t- s- guys, a lot of reps with the third-string guys. And it's been a, a downfall for him. We've seen it. Like, his stats in it from this game, 9-19 to 19 for, like, 80 yards coming from this one, they look a lot worse than where he played. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's throwing to guys on this roster that – are either going to be at the bottom of the depth chart or not going to be making this team this year. So we saw a lot of drops. We saw a lot of missed time jumps for balls. We saw a lot of situations where he's throwing a good ball, a catchable ball and that one throw Riley really down the sideline. We threw a perfect ball down the sideline in tight coverage might've been defensive pass interference, but I mean, do you have any doubt that if it's Allen Robinson going up for that ball, that that's coming down as a catch or at least a PI it's being called on that one. And, you know, Riley really didn't give much of an effort in, for that play. Um, to to make that catch on on that one. So um, it's just frustrating because Justin Fields, you can see that he has that, he has it. Now, whether he can maximize that going forward, we don't know, but we'd like to see that in terms of trying to figure out whether he can maximize that with the first team offense, at least getting a couple reps there. Because at the end of the day, Andy Dalton's not the guy that is going to be taking this team to the promised land in the future here. That's going to be Justin Fields. Justin Fields is the franchise quarterback moving forward. So you compare that to other rookie quarterbacks across the league. You look at Mac Jones uh, in a situation with the New England Patriots. He's been getting wrapped with the first-team offense in the preseason games with the Patriots at times. It's been very little, but he's getting some, and he's been mixing it in and out with Cam Newton in practice is what the kind of rumors that we're hearing uh, from over there in New England. You look at Trevor Lawrence with the, with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. He's now been confirmed officially by Urban Meyer as a starter there for the Jaguars. They had a little bit of a quote-unquote competition with him and Gardner Minshew. I don't really buy into that very much, but he is officially the starter there. So he's getting all the reps with the first team offense. Zach Wilson, they've made it known from day one there at the New York Jets. He's the first team starter. And he's been getting all the reps this entire training camp period with the first team offense. How's that gonna, How much is that going to benefit his development moving forward, throwing the guys that he's actually going to be throwing there on Sundays during the regular season, like Corey Davis, Elijah Moore. You know, all those guys working with him on the offense there. And then Trey Lance, the most, most comparable situation here in terms of where the Bears are at And where some of these other rookie quarterbacks are at is San Francisco 49ers, because they have a veteran quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo there on the roster already, who has started a lot of games in this league in the past. Well, Kyle Shanahan, he has not made it clear on who was starting week one at that quarterback position moving forward, because Trey Lance, he's been getting reps with the first team offense, and he's looked pretty damn good in those reps with the first team offense. So, I mean, I just don't get the way this is being managed here. You're throwing in Justin Fields. Look, Justin Fields, I don't think it's going to matter too much on in terms of where his development goes, going forward in terms of whether he sits or whether he doesn't sit the first week of the regular season or not. But I think personally, with these reps, that are so valuable right now, in the preseason for him getting his first NFL action out here. I think you're in a way kind of setting him up the field. If you're not going to put him in a position to succeed where he can actually go out there and get some chemistry with guy that he's going to be throwing with on Sundays in the regular season.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash blue wire. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. Need to hire you need indeed.
2: Yeah. And, You know, I said I agree with everything you said there, first off, regarding the rookie quarterbacks. I mean, look, even – and Mac Jones, I think, is the most intriguing name out of all those guys because, let's be honest, like the first two picks, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, we kind of knew the moment that they were drafted that they were going to be the presumptive QB once. And then the moment that the 49ers traded up from 12 to 3 overall, moving up nine spots, I mean, we knew they were going to take quarterback. Then we heard rumors of, is it going to be – Mac Jones or Trey Lance, because those were their two options. I don't even think the 49ers ever seriously considered Justin Fields, even though Kyle Shanahan did go to the second Ohio State pro day. But then you look at that and you know the 49ers situation is unique just in the sense that They had Jimmy Garoppolo there, so you knew that the rookie quarterback, whoever they drafted, probably wasn't going to get a chance to play away. And it looks like right now Kyle Shanahan is not closing the door on Trey Lance, possibly playing week one and being the starter. But then the reason I say that Mac Jones is the most intriguing option is because you have a guy there in Cam Newton, a veteran quarterback, who, yeah, right now he's out with COVID for the next couple of days, but the reality of the situation is that, Everyone thought Cam is just going to absolutely blow the competition away and that he's had a full offseason to fully get healthy. Because remember, last year Cam Newton did sign with the Patriots, but he didn't sign until late July, early August. And so he basically missed all of the virtual offseason. Now Cam is supposedly back and healthy, but with Mac Jones, what is this? Is Mac looked really good in joint practice today against the Giants. I think he was like 21 of 27 you know and completed like 18 straight passes and so you wonder okay is mac jones possibly making a push for qb1 and that's just bill belichick and josh mcdaniels kind of giving mac and cam newton the reps that they need they're willing to mix it up because they realize hey anything and everything that we do is going to have to revolve around these two quarterbacks especially mac jones because we drafted this guy to be the future unfortunately though the Bears really aren't taking that approach here. Matt Nagy kind of seems set in stone with Andy Dalton's going to be the week one starter. It's been the six or seven time the Bears have said it this offseason. Andy's pretty much alluded to it and said it himself like, hey, this is my year, even though Justin's going to be a phenomenal quarterback. What the Bears need to do here is this, is that Andy Dalton, we know he's only here for a year, Right. In three or four years, we're going to look back at this roster, and we could even argue this, that half this roster, whether offense or defense, probably isn't going to be here just because of the high roster turnover in the NFL. So whatever the Bears do needs to really be predicated on what's best for Justin Fields, both in the present as well as for the future. And what's best in the present is just getting him out there, getting him more reps, getting him reps with the first teams, giving him an opportunity to develop chemistry with guys that will be here in a couple of years, hopefully like an Allen Robinson or a Darnell Mooney, or you could even throw David Montgomery and Cole Komet in there. That's what really needs to happen. The bears aren't doing that. They're taking a team first approach rather than taking a Justin Fields first approach, which is a bit worrisome. Because putting the team first is never a bad option, but you could also argue the other way that if you put the quarterback for the rookie quarterback first, you're also getting an opportunity, or you're also basically putting the team first as well. Because you know whatever decisions you make are going to revolve around the team. And so, yeah, Justin's had an opportunity to work with guys like Allen Robinson, and and I know there was a whole controversy on Twitter over this because one beat reporter tweeted something, and another person. Completely took the quote out of context. So Justin does have an opportunity to throw to some of these ones like Mooney and Robinson. But the issue is that it's not consistent enough to the point where we can really evaluate where Justin's at. And again, Matt Nagy, another thing that's going to confuse me here is this is you openly admitted that you had your eye on Justin Fields all the way when all the way back to when the 2020 pre draft process started and you were watching ohio state prospects that were going to be drafted in 2020 and you've also admitted that you basically have a very close relationship with Ryan Day who's Justin Fields college coach so this is your hand picked quarterback why are you not going all in on the table and just saying hey Justin Fields first everyone and everything else second
1: you mentioned the team first approach or the quarterback Uh, first approach and i'll say this the team first approach is the quarterback first approach because if justin fields doesn't work nothing matters with this team nothing else matters with the way this uh this way this franchise goes if justin fields busts out or does not reach his potential this team isn't going anywhere so the best way for this team to improve going forward and get where it wants to be going forward as a franchise to be a contending team, a team that's in the playoffs year after year after year contending for Super Bowls is to maximize Justin Fields. So the team first approach is the Justin Fields approach. And, you know, I kind of like how you brought that distinction there, but you know, that's my perspective here on this thing is I think you, you alluded to, to it too, but um, you know, yeah, I, I, I think the, the best thing to do right now, you kind of said like, why is it Matt Nagy capitalizing on this opportunity to get Justin Fields these reps? Like it's like, we know he's excited about Justin Fields. We know that, like, you can just tell when he's talking about him in press conferences or when he was talking about him after the draft, like right after it happened. Like, you can tell that Matt Nagy was almost like a little weight was lifted off his shoulders. Like, he's got a guy that he thinks that he finally knows or he thinks that he can build an offense around and get the most out of it and and, you know, save his job to a degree at, at this stage in things as it kind of turns out right now. But – it's just it's just frustrating because again, I go to these situations across the in, across the rest of the NFL and the Matt Jones one is very interesting, like you said though, because again, Cam Newton's out for the next five days or so or for the next couple days or so um because of COVID protocol. You know, what if Matt Jones goes out there and lights it up with the first team offense during that time? Do you think Bill Belichick is gonna, you know, say, well, no, we committed to Cam for this year on this one year deal. We told him that he was a starter. Uh we're gonna just go with Cam and see what happens here. I, i don't think so i think bill belichick is ballsy enough to say like okay at this point mac jones he's proving himself as a quarterback that's ready to go so we're going to throw him out there you know in case of the jaguars and jets like you kind of said like we kind of know those guys are going to be starting right away the jets especially because they don't have anybody else in the roster that be worthy of starting an nfl football game but then you look at the san francisco 49ers like yeah, like Shanahan's repeated in the past that Jimmy Garoppolo is their starter right now. But again, he's left the door open, like you said. So he's clearly there, those organizations are approaching this thing from the standpoint of how can we maximize our quarterbacks, not from this perspective of, you know, we need to get the team ready first and our quarterback plan will kind of fit around that. And that's where I, I kind of, it loses me there with the way that Matt Nagy's handling this with that because if he's going with a Justin Fields approach, that makes the Bears better. And unfortunately, I just don't think it's happening. I think what's what we're seeing right now is, you know, for some reason Matt Nagy wants to hold up this promise that he gave to Andy Dalton that, you know, he was going to be the starter. Because I guess he feels like it would look bad on his reputation if he promises Andy Dalton to be the starter. He lures him to come here and to pass up other starting starting jobs in the NFL um, and then doesn't get the starting position well. At this point, I, I'm sorry to be mean to Andy Dolan. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he's been this league for over 10 years now. He's a veteran. He knows the deal. Like, go out there and give the kid a shot. At this point, like, what's the damage there? If, if Andy Dolan gets pissed at you, so what? He's not going to be here in a year. Justin Fields is going to be here in a year. So that's my only thing. I'm going to end it right here in terms of the quarterback talk because we have some other things to get to in terms of where this Bears team is at in, this pre- in the preseason right now. But uh, I'll kind of end it on this. You know, the Bears plan as of right now, I'm not really getting a good sense of what it is going forward. I will say, you, you mentioned it, you know, Justin Fields, he's gotten more reps with the first team wide receivers um, over the, the, the last couple of days of practice. I was there earlier in the week on Monday and got to see him get a couple of uh, reps here and there with the first team wide receivers. I'd like to see more. And, and maybe once they close off practices to the fans maybe that's when they start doing that and start working with the first team offense more because that's just the way the Bears like to do things they like to do things behind closed doors and not um out in the open where the fans can see it they want to control the narrative there um but again we'll see because you know Andy Dolan's gonna be the guy week one and I just think if you're not gonna open that door to Justin Fields you're making a mistake because the fans can see it right now I think a lot of the coaching staff I think Matt Nagy can see that Justin Fields is ready to go right now and this is kind of worrisome because I think the players can see that Justin Fields is ready to go we talked about how the Bears weren't interested in playing very very much it seems like in that last preseason game how much is that is derivative of how the players are feeling with this quarterback situation and the fact that the the Bears are willingly starting the lesser of the two quarterbacks right now so I'm not saying that's the case I'm just throwing it out there that if this thing lingers as it does and we start to see Andy Dalton struggle a little bit more and this offense isn't putting up points on the board, that's going to be something that's going to be concerning as we head into the season here.
2: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his
0: venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: So I'm gonna move, we're going to move on then to another topic to, to discuss. And, you know, talk about the offense once again. You know, we have to talk about the offensive line once again, you said. And um, we talked about the offense struggling. I thought a lot of that stemmed from the offensive line just getting bullied by the Buffalo Bills in this last game. So I'll start with you on what were your thoughts on how the, uh, the Bears played on the offensive line in this last game? What were some of the things you were looking at here? And, you know, it really comes down to, in my opinion, when, when you talk about an offensive line that's struggling as it is right now, it comes down to investment. And unfortunately, I think this kind of ties back to what we were talking about Ryan Pace all throughout his tenure, the lack of investment in the offensive line. We're starting to kind of see that here. and It's kind of turned a, a ugly head right now.
2: Yeah, so you can only kick the can down the road for so long before everything eventually catches up to you. And that's exactly what we saw this offseason. Now, there's a lot of Bears fans out there that are justifying Ryan Pace kicking the can down the road by basically saying, and a lot of this comes from Bears Twitter, by the way, but – a lot of Bears fans are basically saying, oh, well, it's totally okay that Ryan Pace didn't invest in the offensive line in the past because he made up for it by drafting Tevin Jenkins and Larry Forum this year. Well, guess what? There's an issue. Tevin Jenkins is a phenomenal right tackle. Can he play left tackle in the NFL? I don't know. You, It's very difficult to – for a rookie, it's very difficult to go from – college to the nfl that's the transition that's hard as it is and then you add in the fact that you are basically asking a player to switch a position and play a completely foreign position and be a full-time starter and do it at a high level like the bears are doing with tevin jenkins and i'm not even going to get into all the injury history because we talked about how the bears basically botched that situation last week or two weeks ago so go listen to that show you're putting a lot of pressure on Tevin Jenkins. And then you have Larry Borum, who a player that showed up to camp about 30 to 40 pounds later is a guy that traditionally has played right guard, and right tackle. But guess what you were doing? You were giving him reps at left tackle on Saturday because your offensive line, your makeshift offensive line pretty much forced you to. And again, Borum had a couple good reps, but it was such a small and limited sample size because the bears wasted so much time starting Elijah Wilkinson. They it's, difficult to really evaluate when warms up but you talked about the investment earlier so there's two franchises in my mind right now that when it comes to consistently investing in offensive linemen they do a phenomenal job year after year and it's the Baltimore Ravens and Kansas City Chiefs now I want to flash back all the way to 2013 when Andy Reid pretty much took over the Chiefs and Matt Nagy was there they've drafted an offensive lineman Every single year, except for two years, whether it is a high pick or a day two or day three pick. And this past offseason, the Chiefs identified the offensive line as being a weakness. What do they do? Well, they go out and they get Joe Thune and then they get Trey Smith. They trade for Orlando Brown Jr. They were aggressive even in addressing the offensive line, even though they know that Patrick Mahomes, as good as he is, could cover up for a lot of those deficiencies. Because, again, a makeshift offensive line. Affected how Patrick Mahomes played in the Super Bowl. Now, the reason I say that is because Ryan Pace has been here for seven years. And then you look at some of his draft history. Okay, cool. He took Jenkins and Borm in 2021. Well, you took Arlington Hambright and LaCavia Simmons in 2022. Late round guys that really haven't had any sort of impact. 2019, you didn't take any offensive linemen. Twenty. 18, And then 2017, you took James Daniels and Jordan Morgan. 2016, you took Cody Whitehair. And then 2015, you took Carlos Esgrasu and Teo Fabuluje. My point is, is that... They- The reason that the can is finally caught up to pace is simply because what's really happened here is that has he invested in offensive linemen? Yeah, but it hasn't been a high enough priority. And when we talk about value and we talk about needs in the NFL needs can be addressed through value, especially in the NFL draft and pace, unfortunately hasn't necessarily prioritized the offensive lineman in early round, because if you look at some of his early round picks, I mean, look, you can find a quality tight end, If you really do your homework on day three of the draft, you can find, you know, some of these like wide receivers. Take like a Javon Williams being a 2018 seventh round pick. Well, you can find a guy like that as an undrafted free agent if your coaching staff is willing to develop properly. Hey, why even bother taking a running back in the seventh round or a cornerback like Steven Denmark, who Didn't even make the team, by the way. Never really played any meaningful snaps. Why bother taking guys like that, you know, when you should be investing in the trenches? And so to wrap up here, I mean, this lack of investment in the trenches moving forward, it's kind of an issue. It's a major issue, I should say, because now you're basically going to be putting a bit more pressure on Justin Fields. And you look at a lot of these younger quarterbacks that have succeeded over the last couple of years. And Carson Wentz is a prime example, by the way when he was in Philly before he went down with the ACL and the back injuries, you know what? They had rock solid offensive lines in front of them. And a rock solid offensive line in front of a young quarterback is the difference between developing a good quarterback and a great quarterback. Well, you talk about value on
1: the offensive line. I don't know. You know,
2: everyone was going,
1: I see a lot of people celebrating the fact that bears drafted two offensive tackles in this last draft with, tevin jenkins and larry borum and they were aggressive in doing the doing so spending premium draft capital to do so like that's all well and good I'm, I'm, that's a good thing to do the thing is though before 2021 2021 draft do you know what the highest round the, the bears drafted an offense to tackle with under ryan pace was i believe it was a fifth round i think that was jordan morgan back in 2017 and he was drafted to play guard so in terms of a pure tackle Drafted by the Bears, I don't think it was until like a late, like six, seventh round pick that Brian Pace is actually drafted a tackle to play tackle. You know, in the draft, he spent second round picks on some guards and some day two picks on guards and centers. So Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, uh, you talk about Horones Pursue back in his first draft. So he's spread some pretty premium draft capital to address the interior part of the offensive line, and he's paid some pretty significant money in the past to. You know, get that interior interior of the offensive line correct as well. He paid a lot of money to Kyle Long at the time, which I mean, Kyle Long was beast at the time that he was paid, so that made a lot of sense. But he paid a lot of money for just Josh Sitton, but then he's out there for the tackle position. He was, you know, he was content just giving out. You know, Charles Leno, who's an average tackle, um, you know, solid guy to cap, to have on your roster, but. Uh, They decided to pay him a mid-level contract. They decided to pay Bobby Massey a mid-tier contract for an offensive athlete. Basically, we're content being average at the tackle position instead of really going out there and addressing it because if you look at all the data for the analytical models and what translates to a good offensive line in the modern NFL game where there's a lot more passing than running the ball, you know, guards don't really matter in the grand scheme of things when it comes to how an overall offensive line performs in pass protection. The offensive tackle positions, though, really do matter. You, you know, your left tackle and right tackle are both equally um, important in this because they're both going to be on an island a lot in pass protection. So, and you look at the lack of investment in doing that, in doing so, really frustrating. And starting to bite, like you said, it's starting to bite them right now because, Finding quality offensive tackle play in the NFL is really difficult to do. You got to continuously take swings at it. And I go back to the 2016 NFL draft where the Bears traded up for Leonard Floyd because they were so scared of the New York Giants taking him at number 10 overall. Well, you know who's going to be who was going to be available for them at 11? Um, who they passed up on? Uh, Larry Tunsil was going to be right there for them to take in that 2016 draft. They have just waited um, and let Leonard Floyd go to the Giants. So they could have gotten Larry Tunsil at that 11th overall pick. And wouldn't he have solidified that left tackle position for them long-term right now where they wouldn't have had to go up and make an aggressive trade up for Tevin Jenkins in the draft. Like those are the decisions I look at where you have a chance to get a guy who was considered in that draft, a potential franchise left tackle. And he, while his career has been a little bit more up and down, I think a lot of people anticipated, he's still been a pretty damn good tackle in the NFL for a long time. You had a chance to go get him there. And you said, I go to the edge rusher, but you have the up to do it. So those are the things we're talking about here that it gets frustrating after a while. You know, it really does. And the lack of investment is clear now because here's what the bears are going to be rolling out there at the offensive line. week one. like, yeah, we haven't seen their healthy starting offensive line, which a lot of people have pointed out as well with how they struggle in the preseason at times. Like we get it. They haven't played a healthy offensive line, but I'm going to roll out the starters for this offensive line. And you tell me I'll get your opinion on this. You said, where you think they stand on paper right now so left tackle you have jason peters 39 years old coming off an, uh, a year where uh he didn't play the entire season he only played eight games i believe in three of the last four years four years he has not played 16 games due to missing time due to injuries So he's jason peters probably a hall of famer down the road but 30 again 39 years old injury prone to stage his career left guard cody whitehair He's been rock solid for the Bears ever since he's been drafted. He's been one of their the Bears' best picks in the offensive line. Give credit where credit's due. Sam Mustafer only started in, what, like seven, eight games last year with the Bears. Undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame. Um, had a lot of issues when I tracked him in pass protection. Getting a chance to start here. Again, undrafted free agent here at the center position. The right guard, James Daniels, second-round pick. So, again, we're seeing high investment at the guard position. Um, and then at that tackle position, Jermaine Fetty, former first-round bust, who the Bears brought in on a minimum contract to play guard. He played decent enough at right tackle to end last season against some of the worst defenses in the NFL. And now he's going to be out there to start right tackle. To back up those guys, you got Elijah Wilkinson, minimum contract guy a swing tackle. You drafted Larry Borm in the fifth round. I don't care how much they talk about him being a third-round prospect for them. The NFL saw him as a fifth-round level talent, and that's where he went in the draft. So fifth-round pick, Larry Borm as your swing tackle right there. Alex Bars is your main backup off the bench for the interior group on draft free agent. So you see where the problem lies in the lack of investment here. So on paper, you say where you think that offensive line is probably going to rank this year, just on paper.
2: Honestly, I think it's going to be a bottom 12 group. And when I say bottom 12, what I mean to say is that there's going to be twenty other teams ahead of it. I mean, it's clearly at the bottom half of the league. Look, when you look at this offensive line, I mean, Okay, Jason Peters, let's be honest. The only reason, and Jason pretty much alluded to this too in his press conference, that he was familiar with Juan Castillo, but then also Coach Nagy too from – these guys' time being together in Philadelphia for some time before Andy Reid got fired. So you bring in Jason Peters for familiarity. And by the way, Jason had been a free agent all offseason, just hanging around, working out. So the fact that the Bears brought him in this late into training camp and he was pretty much just fishing just goes to show that they are bringing in a 39-year-old veteran that's guaranteed a bus in Canton, Ohio, and a gold jacket. As a last resort, because they know that something's really wrong with the presumptive starter and Tevin Jenkins, and then you move over to left guard. Okay, James Daniels is—is is he flashy? No. Is he one of the most physically gifted and athletic offensive linemen that the Bears have had over the last couple of years throughout the Pace era? Absolutely. Does his versatility and ability to play center or even right guard any spot along the interior? even though he's better as a lifeguard yet yeah, does help the bears out. Sam must differ, a guy that, okay, flashed some potential last year, just was not as strong added about 10 pounds of muscle this off season. You hope that he's becoming You know, Sam has drawn praise from guys like Cody Whitehair and Matt Nagy. He's gotten much smarter. He's got a year's worth of some NFL game tape of him playing against actual defenses in the regular season under his belt. So you hope you have a long-term solution at starter. Cody Whitehair, we know what he is. He's the leader of this offensive line after Jason Peters, he's also kind of one of the most consistent ones. And then you look at Jermaine Ifedi. Look, I think there's a legitimate case to be made that Jermaine Ifedi not going to be here next year. Um, What I could totally see happening, let's just say Jason Peters doesn't win the left tackle job and a guy like Larry Borum wins it. Larry Borum plays left tackle. He performs well. And then all of a sudden you could be in a scenario where you might just have to move Tevin Jenkins back to right tackle, which is his more natural position anyway. And so this entire offensive line right now, does it have potential? Yeah, because when we go beyond some of these guys that are starting or could be starting, I mean, there are intriguing names like Alex Bars, for example, who... Had eight starts last year. I had, had, you know, six at right guard, one at center, one at left guard. So there's certainly some intriguing names. But then there's also a lot of question marks is if these guys don't pan out, like, what are you going to do? You're going to go into 2022 with, you know, a need at center and then as well as right guard and right tackle. Are you going to go into 2022, you know, with the possibility of um, having to address left tackle again if Tevin Jenkins like isn't fully healthy? And so right now it's just like the offensive lines up in the air and this isn't good for the development of a young quarterback. Unfortunately, it's not because great offenses also have solid offensive line and good offensive good offenses you know their foundation is built in the trenches and the bears haven't done that I mean look at the 49ers you know they drafted Mike McGlinchy a couple of years ago it was like four to five years ago at this point they have a really solid offense and what does that do well it allows an average quarterback or above average quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo to look a bit better than probably most people expect
1: Yeah, and I'll just throw this in perspective here because I I agree. I think they're on paper, they're a bottom 10 unit who you hope that if things go well, let's say best case scenario, Sam Mesterford develops to like an average starting center. That would be probably a best case scenario based off of where he was at last year and as an undrafted free agent where his ceiling is. So let's say he develops to an average center. Then you're solid in the interior right there with with Daniels probably being healthy for another year and and Whitehair being healthy for a year. Your, Your interior is pretty solid right there, right? Best case scenario for the tackle position, though, let's say I bet he's like a below average tackle because, you know, he's been bad throughout his entire career. You know, if he's below average to average and then Jason Peters can play like an, at an average level, that's probably what, like a, a top 20 unit, probably I'd say probably around 20, but you know, I'll just throw this into perspective here. There are a few offensive line. I would definitely take the bears over like right off the bat, like no questions asked. Like I take them over the giants right now. I take them over the Steelers. I take them over the Panthers who uh, had to adjust their offensive line and I take them over the Dolphins without a doubt. So those are what was that four offensive lines that I would definitely take over. That I would definitely take the bears over. No questions asked. Like, those offensive lines are going to be really bad this year. And then that brings them to a tier of offensive lines where I think you can make an argument either way of where the bears are at. Like, so Las Vegas Raiders, the offensive line has been, been a strength for them over the past few years. They redid their entire offensive line, but they have a couple positives there. They have Colton Miller and their left tackle position. They drafted a first rounder and Alex Leatherwood who's going to be out there playing. Reggie Incognito, when he's healthy, he's a really good guard for them. It's just a matter of they got, they let go of some veterans there who have been really good for them. So what? where is that offensive line at? That's a question mark for them. So how do they compare to the Raiders? And that's up in the air. All oh, the Bengals, you know, I know a lot of people might laugh at that because the Bengals have had a really bad offensive line over the years. But you look at their tackle situation. Uh, left tackle, they have a guy like Jonah Williams, who's a first-round pick for them. He was pretty solid for his first year last year. They bring in Riley Reef, who's been an average tackle this league to play right tackle. And then the interior, you're hoping they, they can figure that out. But if their interior doesn't work out, I'd say the Bears are better than them at this point in time. But clearly the Bengals have a better tackle situation than what the Bears have right now. So they're in that tier with the Bengals then at this point. Uh, the Falcons, I think they're in an interesting tier with the Falcons as well. But here's the thing. The Falcons, they have a really nice left tackle. Jake Matthews, he's been as solid as a guest in the league for a very long time, their left tackle position. And then Chris Linson with that right guard spot, he kind of talked about, like, he's basically like the Cody Whitehair of that offensive line. So the Falcons, they have more name recognition, but they have holes at right tackle. They have holes in the interior. They're not a great offensive line. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think they're another team that they have a pretty porous offensive line in general, just not a lot of names that stand out. So those are kind of the lines that you're looking at where I feel like right now the Bears are kind of in that group. They're not quite in the worst here. When you look at Miami, New York, the Steelers, uh, Carolina, those are those are some putrid offensive lines, but they're not that much better. And, you know, I, I hate to be that negative Nancy <laughs> for this, the Bears fan base here with this group, but they're just a ton of question marks. And offensive line is a position where I don't want question marks. I want certainty of that group. Right now we just don't have a lot of certainty. So hopefully, you know, it sounds like they're gonna be starting they're gonna be getting some snaps as first team group in the in the last preseason game against the Tennessee Titans. And that's a good way, I think, to transition to the to the next game against the Tennessee Titans because um you know it's gonna be the last preseason game here. I'm not expecting many of the big names for this team to play on either side of the ball. Like I wouldn't expect like Andy Dolan's already not playing. Justin Fields is gonna be getting the start here in this game. So uh, we're not going to be getting probably Allen Robinson, probably not going to see Darnell Mooney, probably not going to see Kulik Matt, all those guys out here. Um, but it was alluded to by Matt Nagy earlier in the week that Jermaine Ifedi and Jason Peters, James Daniels are probably going to get some reps with that first team offensive line since they haven't played so far in the preseason. So you say I'll start with you uh, to kind of preview this game here and end this podcast. What are some of your expectations for this last preseason game and what are some of the things that you're looking forward to seeing uh, for this one?
2: Yeah. So again, expectations are just that the Bears go out there and that everything that showed up on tape against the Buffalo Bills, they're able to correct regardless of who's playing. And that includes tackling on the defensive side of the ball, guys not missing assignments on the offensive side of the ball, everything just running like a fine-tuned and well-oiled machine. Um, And then there's a couple players that I'm watching now undrafted free agent linebackers, Charles Snowden from Virginia. I mean, he's really flashed this preseason. He's actually got a sack in each game. So can he continue to have another strong showing and make a case for possibly making the 53 man roster or just being a player that is on the practice squad in 2021 before ultimately Making the jump to the 53 man roster in 2022. Because for a guy that's six foot seven, six foot eight, and as athletic as he is, that's something you really can't teach. I mean, Caleb Johnson, the inside linebacker, he's an undrafted free agent from Houston Baptist University. He's had a couple of really good plays too. You can just tell that he's playing with energy and his enthusiasm certainly sticks out. And so that's another name to watch. You know, if these older guys in the room take like a Christian Jones or a Josh Woods, for example, if they're not back in 2022. Um And then, you know, you really hope that this entire secondary can kind of get things turned around and then because they played really bad against the um, bills and then just last thing here I mean, what is this offense going to do behind Justin fields can this front five this offensive line just put together a collectively good game, where fields necessarily is not running for his life on each play like he seemed to be doing, you know, against the Buffalo Bills.
1: Yeah, so I, I think, you know, some of the things I want to see, Justin Fields, first of all, getting a start, I want to see him get as many reps as possible, you know, first half for sure, but maybe a little bit into the second half, maybe if that offensive line is still out there. And especially if the first team offensive line can get some snaps in the first half. I want to see Justin Fields out there with the first team offensive line. I don't want a situation like, against the Bills, we saw in the Bills late in that fourth quarter where uh, the offensive line really fell apart late in that one. Justin Fields was getting killed late in that fourth quarter. And I, I don't want to see that whatsoever. Let's keep him protected. Let's keep him healthy. Uh, and because we're going to need him in the season, I, I would assume at some point. So I want to see Justin Fields game rest with the first team offensive line. And, you know, Again, I don't expect the big-name wide receivers to be out there, but if, if guys like Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin are playing, let's get J, uh, uh, Justin Fields some reps with those guys out there, with Marquise Goodwin, uh, Demir Bird. Some of those guys are going to be playing a role with this offense this year, even though they're more so considered second-team guys, especially Demir Bird. Uh, those guys are going to play prominent roles, I think, in this wide receiver room this year. So I want to see Justin Fields get some reps with those wide receivers and get some chemistry with them in this game and just kind of see what he can do out there. Ultimately, again, this preseason game is going to be all about Justin Fields and, like you said, some of those bottom-of-the-roster guys. Uh, the wide receiver battle is going to be interesting for me. You know, it seems like Rodney Adams has really made a name for himself as to be the, kind of the fifth or sixth wide receiver on this roster because I'm pretty sure we can pretty much lock up the first four guys, uh, Alan Robinson, uh, Darnell Mooney, Marcus Goodwin, Demir Berg. Those guys are all making the roster. But between uh, Rodney Adams, uh, Riley Ridley, Javon Wims, Chris Lacey – all of those guys are going to be fighting for a job, I think, in this last preseason game. So can Rodney Adams continue to make plays in games when he gets a chance to do so? Um, can a guy like Riley Ridley, who has done nothing for this Bears team um, in this preseason so far. Can he go out there and make some plays and, and, and you know, impress the coaches a little bit? That's going to be something key, that's key to watch. Um, I want to see, uh, just, just for said he was getting some reps with the first-team offense in practice last week. You know, can Jesper Horstead maybe do some things? I'm sure he's going to get a lot of reps with Justin Fields in this one. So uh, that tight end was going to be interesting to see how it plays out as well. But you bring up the cornerback position. They need to play better in this game, especially. Uh, they were just – that secondary year was rough last week. So we need to see the corners play better. You know, one interesting name I'll bring up that Matt Nagy actually brought up um, in his press conference earlier in the week when talking about the cornerback position. He mentioned Artie Burns as a potential guy, being a guy that could be competing for a starting spot with a guy like Kendall Vildor because Artie Burns had a pretty solid game against the Buffalo Bills when he went in there with, against the backups. And, you know, Artie Burns, he's been a, a guy, a former first-round pick, he's been in the league for six, seven years, I think, at this point, and never has really stuck anywhere, hasn't really played well so far in his NFL career. But, you know, can he work his way onto the roster here? Because, I mean, Lord knows, I mean, the Bears need as much quarterback help as they can get right now. So if he can surprise and him or Vildor really that one of those two guys can step up here, which they'll need to do. Like Vildor has made a lot of plays in practice, but it hasn't really translated to the games yet, which is kind of uh, worrisome to me. But um, again, we need to see those guys translate what they've done in practice and start doing that on the field in this one. So the cornerback position, that's going to be, that's going to be the one I'm watching, especially on defense. Can one of these guys step up and, and we'll see what happens there.
2: Yeah, and the cornerback is really – cornerback is one of the biggest questions on the roster this year specifically because you're asking Jalen Johnson to fill the shoes of a two-time Pro Bowl and a first-team All-Pro and Kyle Fuller. And then you look at Desmond Trufant, who for personal reasons has been out, and everyone thought Desmond Trufant was going to be cornerback too. But it's like I've mentioned before on this podcast, they've only got a million dollars tied up into Trufant, and I don't think that they're going to cut him just because he – has been out for personal reasons, because it would be very unfair to Desmond to do that. But then you also look at, okay, Kendall Wilder, Duke Shelley. Those are two really intriguing names. And I know Wilder has drawn praise from the coaching staff this offseason for just how he's handled everything. He's taking advantage of the opportunity. But then depth at that position is also a question. Hey, is a guy like Artie Burns, a former first-round pick, who basically didn't get his fifth year option picked up, what is he gonna go ahead and do? What is a guy like Xavier Crawford who's kind of made a couple of plays here and there in preseason? What is he gonna do? And then the biggest name of all, I think to continue watching is Thomas Graham Jr., a 2021 sixth round pick, because I think when we look at this 2021 draft class for the Bears, I mean one of the silver linings is that the draft class seemingly seems to be impressing this preseason, but we don't talk about it as much. Simple, well, I mean, we had an entire at least us, we had an entire episode dedicated to it, but um What kind of happened is, you know, Bears fans don't really seem to be talking about that because everything's just being overshadowed by all the negativity that's surrounding the quarterback situation right now. But this last preseason game, I mean, I don't expect a lot of the starters to play. And whichever starters do play, it's going to be for a limited time. But, um, you know, it's just going to be one final chance for the entire coaching staff to be able to just evaluate the roster and see, okay where are we at? Because I think there are some really intriguing names like Snowden or Caleb Johnson on this roster that – we're looking at right now is just being like bottom of the barrel guys, but then that could very quickly develop into something.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's secondary. There are a lot of moving parts. And I think I, I agree The rookie class has not been talked about, I think as much just because of the quarterback conversation really. And a lot of the other things that have gone around, but you know, Kairos Tonga he's played well. I thought um, at nose tackle. He's, he's gotten some reps with the first team, which is really good for a seventh round pick. You know, we haven't seen much out of Daz Newsome out there. Thomas Graham, he made that play last week against the Bills where he almost had that interception. I keep, I, I say it pretty much every week, but I really like what I'm seeing out of Khalil Herbert. I think he's going to be a player for this team. I don't know if he's going to be you know, a stud starter right down the line, but I think he's going to have a role on this team moving forward as a uh, as a quick returner and as a backup running back. I really like what I'm seeing out of Khalil Herbert at this point. Larry Bourne, a lot of you know, there's like a Larry Borm hive, which I've noticed over the last couple of days. There's like a Larry Borm hive on Twitter where, I mean, some Bears fans like love this dude, um, Larry Borm. So I, you know, he's going to have a chance to go out there and play a lot of snaps in this game. So that'll be exciting. So you actually got a lot of reps with the first team at the practice I was at on Monday. So Larry Borm, you know, the coaches like him. He's going to have to get a lot of reps in this game, a lot of tackles. So we'll see, we'll see how he does out there. And then, you know, Tevin James, unfortunately just can't, can't play because of the back injury. So, um, but yeah, a lot of moving parts. Like you said, it's going to be a very exciting preseason game for this one. Again, I think the main thing is will just Justin Fields. How much will he play? Who's going to play with and how well is he going to play? That's really going to be the main thing right there on the offensive side of the ball. And then that defense side of the ball, who steps up at that cornerback position going to be very fun to watch moving forward. All right. You say, I think it's going to wrap it up, wrap it up for us here at the Fix for Pace podcast. I want to thank, all of our listeners for tuning in on all podcasting platforms for us here at Picks for Pace and at the Bear Report. Uh said where can our listeners follow you on Twitter and find your work?
2: Yeah, hey guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Useid Koshal. Check out my bear uh, my work on the Bear Report as well. I have articles that drop a couple times a week at um, eight or nine a.m. just recapping kind of what happened the previous day for the Bears.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give, you say to follow on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. You can find my work on the bear report as well and make sure to tune in to my work on the bear report YouTube channel uh, for each one of our, of the bears games this year. I'm going to be doing bear film reviews of each game, including the preseason. I've got videos up there on YouTube that you can check out for the games against the Miami dolphins and the last one against the Buffalo bills. Um, just some plays, just some videos where I break down five to 10 plays each week, give my thoughts on what the Bears are doing schematically, some players that stand out, and just things to look forward to uh, for this team moving forward as we progress through the 2021 season. I'm very excited to be doing that stuff on YouTube this year. It's something that's pretty new for us here at the Bear Report. So uh, if you like what we do here on our podcasting, uh, make sure to check that out on our Bear Report YouTube channel. Uh, if, you're, if you're a fan of us here, I think you're going to like what we're doing here at the Bear Report YouTube channel as well. Uh, so again, again, that's going to wrap it up here for us here at the Face Face podcast. I want to thank everyone uh, for listening in. It's going to be a very exciting weekend. You know, Our last chance to see this team in the preseason before final cuts happen and before we get to the regular season. So hopefully we get some exciting moments from Justin Fields out there on Saturday night. And until then, Bears fans, have a great weekend, everybody. Bear down.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?